0: I'm going to bring some stuff to the temple at Burning Man and put them up there. You know, probably shoot a little video and send it and tag like a dog foundation and stuff like that. Um, Yeah, yeah, you'll be there in spirit. Absolutely. Uh, But it's just like, you know, like Justin Ram was like, what do you mean? You're not going to fucking be there. And I was like, it's it's not like that, brother. Like I've, I've traveled back And I've made six out of the last nine, you know? That's pretty good. I feel pretty good about that, (laughs) all things considered, you know? Like, Mm -hmm. all the shit that's gone down in my life in that whole period of time.
1: Two, what is this? The five to the seven with the roughneck business. <laughs> I float like gravity. Never had a cavity.
0: <laughs> got, got more rounds than
1: waters, the water's Got Family.
0: Thing.
1: Yes. Um, uh Hey, that's what's up. If we, uh yeah, we're just gonna talk some shit, you know. Let's do Go it. over some some past, some future. Mm-hmm. And uh yeah, it's just a fucking here, my
0: man. I'm psyched. It's great. You were like, hey, you want to be on the show? I'm like. Fuck yes, absolutely want to be on the Good show. Down. That's great. And congrats guys, like, you know, I did it was one of those things where like I didn't see your show before I heard about it. Okay. You know what I mean? So it was like I heard about it and they're like talking about the show and I'm like, what are you talking about? What? I don't even know what the fuck you're talking about. Well, so right. then you know you lift up the hood and start checking shit out. And I was like, okay, this is fucking dope. Where well, yeah.
1: wicked? Word up. How, yeah. how many episodes have you guys done? So this is going to be Golden Hour episode 31 okay. right here. And we got a one-of-a-kind guest, Mr. J.J. Upset Dante Vecina out here. What's up, my What's man? What's goody? How are you? Bless, bless. Ooh. Yeah, some things are good. Celtics just pushed to game seven last night right, at the right. buzzer. 0.2 that. seconds left. And what up, B? Um, yeah, we're hyped to have you back out here. We uh, took a little hiatus. This is uh, kind of like season two, if you will. So we did our first 30 episodes, and now here you are, episode 31. Pleasure to be here. Yeah. Yeah, thanks for having me. No doubt. i yeah. in town for a week, and it lined up perfectly. So yeah,
0: pleasure to be here, man. Good to I catch know. you up.
1: Fuck yeah. Yeah. I yeah, know. I mean, we go way back, as do do I with most of my guests. But uh, Sure. Um, you know, everything from homies to roommates to... You know, all Ad sit court shit,
0: right? Oh yeah. That yeah. house
1: was a shit show. Huh? I I
0: I, <laughs> I I got out of there, a whizzle hit me up and he goes, The the second the, the second floor apartment is open, you know, at a spot that burned. Yeah and he said, You know, it's available. Do you want it? I was like, I, I do. Like I need my yeah. own spot. I
1: need my own yeah, spot that, house was quite, that place. That house was quite debaucherous anyway. I think you got in <laughs> just just enough. Yeah, that happened. the basement parties down uh, there. Yeah.
0: Dude, shit that was uh the neighbors loved us oh yeah the neighbors yeah. were ecstatic that we moved like in. <laughs> you got this house in a pretty t- like the houses were close to each oh, other yeah. that whole court the houses were just jam packed and like in that cul-de-sac we were the only party house oh, yeah. and everybody else were like families and that's older like the understatement
1: to say we were a party house too <laughs> <That> <laughs> it was that is it would turn if wrong. you know you know <laughs> Shout out, Russell. Uh, Keenan, Rob, what up? What Ziggy. Up, what up? Yep, Zach, love the fam. Yep, no doubt. Um, so, yeah, you're, you've been out on the West Coast now for a minute, but uh, you're originally from out here. Born and raised in Burlington. I've been
0: you know, bounced around all over the state. I lived in Essex, I lived in Winooski, Milton, Colchester, single mom type stuff. Yep. And that probably pretty much stuck with me to now because now I've lived in eight states. I was in LA. You know, I left, I was. Here until 2013 for a big run. Mm-hmm. Moved in with Zach, with Ziggy, out mm-hmm. on the West Coast, and um, was out there until the pandemic hit. Um, working on music, doing some chefing out there, started the Free Girl Cheese Party pop-up that we were doing out there. Okay. That got real big. Um, yeah, what's up with that? Man, so, so me and a couple friends, one friend who worked for uh, Skrillex, um, and... Two other friends that were musicians and just, you know, we were all relatively new to L.A. Mm -hmm. So one night it was somebody's birthday party and at their house, we threw a party and had some panini presses. Very simple, you know, and there was we knew a lot of DJs and a lot of producers. So we had the CDJ set up and people were just playing. Party went off really, really well. So we decided to do a second one and Grillix just shows up out of nowhere because he heard kind of through the grapevine at the, at, at work at the shop mm-hmm. about the party. So he came through and then all these, you know, big names were coming through all these like producers and DJs and everyone was just taking turns on the decks. And that kind of just started this whole thing where we, um, you know, what we would do is we make four custom grilled cheese sandwiches. And that was pretty much the thing that I would focus on and do like art pop, you know, pop pop art culture funny names like ASAP Broccoli and do like do like a broccoli cheddar type grilled cheese sandwich Um, Mm -hmm. Taylor Swiss where we did like a French baguette and you know things like that Um, and we actually have a recipe book there's sounds kind of cheesy oh big time (laughs) there's like um, we ended in total we did about 45 or 46 different sandwiches so the book's ready to go I don't know when we're going to publish it but we are going to put it out all the recipes all the names oh sweet um That'll come at some point. But anyway, it, you know, it, we got to the point where we didn't do any flyers. It was only on Twitter and Instagram. We would announced three days before the party. No one knew the location. No one knew it was performing. No one knew what the sandwiches were going to be. And we would sell out, like, our biggest party we did was about 600 people. And it's we had to cap it. We had to stop it. Yeah, like, they sold out really well. So the traction was really there. People were really enjoying it because it was like, you know, and this is hindsight. You look back at it. You don't really know what you're doing when you do it sometimes. Well, yeah. You know you're doing something special, but you can't really quantify it. Yeah, this show is point in case. <laughs> yeah. Exactly. <laughs> you, yeah. Hindsight's twenty twenty. So all of a sudden, you know, we realize, like, what we're building is a party where people in the industry, and that could be artists, like physical artists, graffiti, painters, um, producers, DJs, songwriters, could come... and and, you know certainly in LA what we would call punishers you would go out in public and those people would get punished by people coming trying to talk to them trying to sell them something or you know how that all goes hey let me pitch you my idea while you're out trying to have a good time it kind of got the name of like a place you could go and network with fellow people that were on the same wavelength and you didn't really have to deal with any of that bullshit yeah um and it was great. You know, it was, it was a lot of fun. We brokered a lot of cool relationships kind of came out of that. And, you know, we didn't pay any of the DJs. It was just one of those things like you want to play. So come through, we figure out who's going to play, get the lineup. And we had some crazy surprise guests like uh, Jillian from Major Laser, you know, rocking, rocking like an hour and a half set while we're serving up grilled cheese. And, you know, Diplo's giving us two dollar bills from the strip club yeah. that he was at. Um and we made a yeah you know, we made a sandwich called Major Laser. We okay. put Lay's chips in there. Okay. Did like a Jamaican jerk kind of a stack sort of a thing. It's a lot of fun. A lot of fun. Um, and actually, we threw one in Miami not, not too long ago. Um, it was during uh, Art Basel. Um, it was a vibe. Um, yeah, and, and you know, like L.A. was great. I had a good time, but it was also really difficult because you know I moved all the way across the country. Um, you know, you know, but about 10 months after that, my mom suddenly passed. Mm -hmm. I say suddenly we knew she had been sick, but we didn't know how sick. And then, you know, I got a phone call and really hard to be that far away. Um, and then, you know, of course, my good friend, Andy and Sean Stem and DJ BP, Ryan Morin, you know, it was like all these hits I had to put down my my, my pet of 10 years, I, you know, it was a rough run. You know, it was a when rough run. Range when it, it rains, it pours. Yeah. Um, and then, you know, you <laughs> add in traveling from the West Coast to Vermont um, in the wintertime, for instance, It's really challenging, can be very expensive, and it's hard to do. So I was traveling a lot. I was, you know, kind of dealing with the the estate, if you will, mm-hmm. the executor on my mom's um you know her, her belonging and stuff like that mm-hmm. so i had that responsibility that i had to do so it was it was really tough man um and i you know i'm not the first person i'm not the last person to deal with challenges in life and it really it really puts you in a situation where you've gotta like go i gotta fight to get out of this
1: mm-hmm.
0: I, i've got to do everything i can to get out of this and oh, i'm not gonna deal. i'm not gonna let it yeah i'm not yeah. gonna let it take me down um Mind over matter, and you figure it out. You know, you push through. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, like life is very interesting. You, know, you get a mixture of these really great things and really challenging things, and you got to kind of sort them on the table and see what's important and what you can just let go of. And I think as we get older, we start to learn. We I don't have you know we don't have to internalize everything that we experience. Okay, we can just go, oh, this is what's going on. Let me look at it okay, this is the most sensible decision I can make, this is the best advice I can do, or whatever, but I'm not going to let it break down everything that I've done and everything that I've built. Yeah, I think think that's
1: a really important, like, mind state to have, because I feel like for a lot of people, myself included at times, you can just get overwhelmed and lose sight of, like, you know, some things are good, and, like, I am blessed, and... You know, I can't just stay sulking. Even like you can allow things to affect you, but you can't allow them to overtake you. You know, like you uh, think it's important to stop and smell the roses, so to speak. You know. Yeah, like the when you're in that when you're in that like we'll say
0: toxic mind state, the acid state, where you're there's there's those voices in your head that will convince you that nothing you're doing is good, and you have no value. And you're failing, and you'll never do as well as the people that you see in your life you admire. Yada, yada, yada. We've all had those thoughts. Mm -hmm. Even the the strongest people that we admire at some point or another maybe were crawled up in their bed for a few days because they didn't even want to speak to anybody. We go through those things. We have to, right? Stop, look at the table, and go, hold on, hold on. This is good. This is in my life. This is great. You know, I have my health. Open the blinds. Get out I've of bed. I've got my parents. Yeah. I've got you know a wife or a significant other that I love. I've got a kid that I love. My job is a great. Three
1: cats, a dog.
0: Yes, exactly. <laughs> you got to go. Toodles. I need some more lint rollers. <laughs> I got to clean all this hair off. Um, so, yeah. I mean, we we've got to pick ourselves up. At the same time, we also got to know when we got to ask for some help. Sure. Right? It's right. okay to ask for some help. Yeah. Men, especially, we know. Um, you know, it's not, it's not a secret that men typically and traditionally don't ask for help. They don't express their emotions, um, other than anger and frustration and getting in fights or whatever it may be. Um, but it needs to be normalized a little bit more to at least unpack your stuff. Yeah. I'm not saying like everybody let's, you know, let's get all the guys together and have a crying circle. I mean, if that's needed, cool. But what I'm saying is like, Unpack it. It's okay to unpack it because you live your life and you're you're like a pot with a lid clamped on tight, and that stuff just builds up. And you're going to make decisions based upon emotions, which are not the best things to do.
1: Yeah. And like, in my when life. When you get impulsive, that's when the yeah. that's when the bad. You know comes when out. you make
0: that rash decision oh, based yeah. upon a feeling, ninety nine percent of the time it's a bad move. And yeah. as soon as you do it, you go fuck. What did I just do? I should have stopped and breathed. Yeah. 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 So. Yeah. We, you know, we need to make that okay. You know, yeah, we need to make it okay to go and ask for help. Yeah, we're like, out here for you. So yeah, get, get counseling. Like, you can do it online now. Call, you, call a buddy. Call someone you trust, you know? Exactly. Eat like, up. hey, man, I'm, I'm stressing out. And let, and let them talk you off the cliff. Because most of the time, it's a facade. You're not really feeling that way. You just convince yourself by thinking and thinking and thinking and layering it on. You create this thing that's looks this big but it's really just small and you just need to push past it no, you know no. it's important it's so important it's so key especially if you have goals right mm-hmm. if you have goals and you want to get to your goals you've got to get that shit out of your way mm-hmm.
1: you've got to get it out of your way amen to that well uh on a, just a little bit of a different note so for people who don't know you have been a music producer and now a record label owner um yeah tell tell the folks uh, about uh, upset a
0: Yeah, so, uh, you know, I've, I've been a DJ for a very long time. I started, one of the first types of music I started playing when I was young was dancehall. You know, I was buying 45s at Flex Records and... You know, like, that was, like, the. I thought it was just the coolest fucking thing on the planet, you know, to go get my money from work and flip through the new 45s with Rep Man and, you know, Iceman and all the guys up there. And I'm, they're like, oh, we got new Sean Paul, we got new Sizzla, we got new whatever. And I just was a fiend about it, you know, like, and I just wanted these. I played drum and bass as well, but this was, like, a little more special for me. I remember when I was, like, 17... Uh, my girlfriend at the time we would drive down to New York. We might only get as far as Ithaca or something sometimes. <laughs> and we'd go to the we go to the bodega and we'd get any of the new tapes that were out. Yeah. Um, like uh, D j Dexterity and select a bomb bomb. Sure. And we'd get, bomb get those. Bomb. I remember the hair standing up on my <laughs> arms when I'd hear some of these dancehall tunes, and I'm just like, i've never I've never experienced anything like this before. Yeah. That, you know, f- through that journey. My very good friend and partner in the label, Thomas Doobie, uh, which you know a lot of heads around here know, he doesn't live here now. Um, what up, Doobie? He's, yeah, he's, I just saw him last night when we oh, shot right. the music video. Um, we reconnected after I was tra- traveling around the country a little bit, and he was in Hartford, Connecticut, making a very big name for himself down there. We reconnected up here, and he said, "Listen, you know, I've been I've been playing with a with a crew called Upset a Sound, and." There's a several different chapters in the United States, largely on the East Coast, but like from Miami, DC, Connecticut, Hartford, you know, like uh, but they started in the grill in the late 70s, early 80s as upset of sound. Yeah. Um so like we've got dub plates from artists from the late 70s and early 80s, some very rare dub plates with our sound. Yeah. We've got a you know pretty big arsenal yeah. as far as dub plates are concerned. Um so we we started the upset Upsetta Sound chapter in Burlington representing that Upsetta yep. name. Um, started doing that for a while. And then, you know, we were on a vacation trip one time and the conversation came up. You know, why don't we start a label? Like, you know, I'm producing music. Um, largely hip hop, um, and had been MCing a little bit already, but it, it was—it just seemed like a logical progression. So, in my second room in my apartment on Church Street, you remember the one that's yep. upstairs from Bangkok Bistro, yep, when it used yep. to be Bangkok. The, the the spare room became the studio, yep. and you know we hit the ground running with a rhythm called Cuss Fix, kind of a play on the Cuss Cuss rhythm yeah, yeah, yeah. that I redid on an MPC 2000 XL got some cool artists on there you know he used his resources from working uh, with upsetta and, and in a big community in Hartford to like he had good contacts with some good artists so we put it out you know cr- some critical success i would say you know like the 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 heads liked it the industry liked it and very shortly thereafter we booked collie collie buds to come and you know do here what's i see you bro yeah bro, big <laughs> up man um and then you know that was kind of the Lotus Entertainment when we did we did two of those four shows together with Lotus. Yep. Um, all four of them sold yeah, out. Like, yeah, I was gonna
1: say those were super successful. I remember uh, like people hitting me up like even like a few days before like Trav yeah you got to get I know you're a part of Lotus you got to get me on. I'm like yo, fam like like this shit sold out. <laughs> like, yeah a, t- a
0: text message two days before. Yeah. Come on it man fly. like it's not gonna work. <laughs> and if you really want to support you would have bought the ticket already a while back when the tickets were available and yeah. said, that's the thing it's like, I think if you want to support your friends, sure. There's certain circumstances when the guest list is big mm-hmm. and you get in and you do all those things. But if you really want to support, just buy a ticket. Yeah. You know, if you're down and out and you don't have the money, cool, yeah. but at least acknowledge that you just, I'll just have that conversation. Just be like, um, Hey, man, you, you throw me on the list. I just, you know, I, I can't rub two nickels
1: together right and now. I always say, too, it's like people have no problem going out to the bar and dropping 30, 40, 50 bucks. It's like, oh, man, support your friends. You know, right. like, You're
0: like, and that's the thing is if if an extra 25 people buy those tickets, those numbers look good. It looks good for you as a promoter. Mm-hmm. It looks good for the artist. It, it makes everybody look good when those numbers look good, and it helps those future events happen even better. That's a great, great way to support. So all y'all out there, if somebody's having a show, support it um, the best you can, you know?
1: Yeah, no doubt. I mean, I mean so
0: most shows, I mean, like you're going to see 90% of shows for less than $30, Yeah. you know? Yeah, and it'll be a memorable experience almost every time. Right, so. and your friend feels pretty damn
1: good when you're like, yo... I don't want. I don't want to get in free. I'm going to pay. I'm going to pay to get in. Yeah, make those numbers look good. Absolutely, no doubt. Um, so, with what's kind of where's uh, upset ahead um, in these days? So, you know, over the, like once we
0: hit that, you know, hit that ground running with that first rhythm, and then we did the collie shows, and when Colin was in town, we played a rhythm for him. Next thing we know, when he got back home, he sent us this tune, and we were just completely floored. A tune called "Too Watchy." And we put that tune out, and you know it did really well. We get a lot, of, a lot of critical acclaim as far as that tune's concerned. And we've just been building ever since. You know, We've definitely had some lulls over the years. I left Vermont in 2013, went out to L.A., mm-hmm. um, spent some time out there. Uh, Doobie went back down to Hartford. Um, but we've just been building. Any money that we've made at the label, we just put it right back into the next project and just stack and stack and stack and build. Mm-hmm. Um, we... Discovered this artist on Facebook, um, Coffee, who you know now has gone on to win a Grammy and is, you know, considered part of the reggae revival and arguably like one of the more talented artists in the Caribbean scene to come out in a very long time. Yeah, where is she you know, out of? Uh, she's oh, she's she? she's out of she's out of Jamaica originally. Oh, okay. So we found her on. Um, on Facebook, doing a song about Usain Bolt, an acoustic tune. And, you know, she had talent, a lot of Facebook plays, a lot of... Mm. But she hadn't put an an official tune out yet. Doobie had initially reached out to her, so that turned into a song called Burning, which is her first single. Um, She just skyrocketed. Mm. Absolute, like, just meteor at that point. Um, Went on to sign a really big record contract. Um, She was touring with... um, uh caesar what's his dan daniel caesar i think okay. um uh seizure seizure i think it's caesar uh anyway Caesar, caesar uh and crushing it you know doing stuff with like protege and uh, a lot of big artists um so we just had a release uh on the on the cinco de Mile" on the and we right out of the box hit number nine on itunes charts and it's a it's a rhythm so for anybody out there who doesn't know what the r- rhythm is is It's the same beat with different artists on top of it, and that started in Jamaica years and years ago where everyone got their turn to chat on the rhythm and go, no, 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 now let me show you what I can do. And then the selectors would take those and mix them together, and you'd often hear the same rhythm for maybe six minutes, seven minutes, four minutes, three minutes, of the selector picking what tunes that he or she may think are the best, right? Mm -hmm. And that's what a rhythm is. Um, We put it out, uh, it... Got up, we got up to number five on the charts, which, you know, for anybody who you look at those charts, Bob Marley legends on there infinitely, yeah. you know, it'll never leave the charts. Yeah. Um, Stick Figure, who's, you know, big touring band out, you know, SoCal type vibes, they've been hammering the charts. They were pushing Bob Marley out of the top spots too. And we were able to push them out with a rhythm release, which does not happen these days at all. Okay. Uh, so it was like us. At number five, and number four is Bob Marley, Legend. So that was pretty... That's that's legendary. Yes, yes. You're coming with (laughs) those heater puns. I love it. Amen, you know. Yeah, you uh, got me the dad puns, man. I'm I'm all about them.
1: You know, I got dad jokes for days. Yes. Dad jokes for days. Uh, Coincidentally, I happen to be a dad times two. Shout out Charlie and Claire. What what up? (laughs) Um, And then, you know, we got some more news the
0: other day that we were number one in New Zealand. Damn. And number two in Austria, so it's been it's been great. Um, the Kiwis are fucking with you, huh? <laughs> they, I mean, they love reggae. They love yeah. it. Um, and you know, this, this rhythm's like a nineties, two thousand, early early two thousand style rhythm, where it's your classic. It's you know, a lot of dancehall now. Jamaica in general and dancehall is about five or six years behind. Let's say the hottest trends in the United States. Okay. So right now, what you're hearing still in Jamaica is the trap. Version of dance hall, mm-hmm. it's, it's slowed down a little bit more. It's
1: Those, you know, up, yeah.
0: the, the Luke's uh, Lex Luger Uzi snare, that quintessential trap snare. Yeah. Um, you know, some wicked artists right now, like Valiant and Ten Tick, and there's a lot of new dance hall artists that are doing some crazy stuff in the trap world, but we, you know. We also want to bring something that's going to be very dance hall dance floor friendly right because essentially that's really what the core of it is mm-hmm. it's about dancing um, and it's working you know the, the, the rhythm's good we've got some other big projects in the works um, we have a tune with uh, with popcorn that's been kind of in waiting to come out because it, he was in production of his album and then it was getting ready to release the album then the album came out and then of course they put the deluxe album out and you know he signed to ovo so like what are we going to do you know we can't like you know hey drake it's we don't care we're going to put the song out that doesn't really work like that yeah, so yeah, yeah. we're patient it's a really 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 amazing song like it's phenomenal yeah we'll have um, to throw
1: some links to all these in the, yeah, in the description here absolutely
0: and um we're we're looking at re-releasing that Kali Buds to Watchy tune. Um, we had, we had brought on, so we're like, let's do a remix. So changed change the key a little bit, sped it up a little bit. And an artist from, um, he's from Nigerian, I believe. Yeah, Nigerian, not, he's not from Ghana. Uh, Peruzi, very talented artist, got really great numbers, um, writes a lot of tunes for a lot of big artists in Afrobeat world. Got him on there. So he's it's like Kali doing his thing with the hook, and then Peruzi doing this brilliant verse and then doing some like colored ad lids throughout the whole tune. Oh sweet. So we're in works right now with Colin and his management team at ineffable about like, how do we get this out? How do we line it up? Not to mem- not to mention that Collie tune we put out like 12 years ago. Still so yeah. it's like, <laughs> you know, all those things, but, um, it's, all it's, 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 w- it's a wicked tune. I think it's going to do really, really well. Um,
1: oh yeah. I hadn't seen him in uh, probably a couple of years and he came to higher ground in a, just walking in the back because, you know, I've been working out there again. And uh, I'm walking to the back and he's like, Trev? I was like, what up? Yeah. Yeah, <laughs> he was yes. that, yeah it was just so, so awesome and just... Catch he's, up he's, with him again because I hadn't seen him since uh, the Manifestivists or whatever. Okay, and he yeah, played. yeah, yeah, yeah. He's dope. a he's a he's a great dude, man. Yeah, definitely he's not horrible. someone who ever will treat himself like he's like on a different level. No. than anyone. just a straight up human. I mean, head, remember, you
0: know? like he was he we, he came up to my apartment. We were all high, we like after hours party at my apartment. Mm-hmm. He was hanging out at Red Square. Like yeah. he was just, just you know, so low key, like yeah. very very chill. Um, how you should
1: should be even when you find success in anything exactly I mean like people may
0: forget but when when like come around and like haters and like when that album dropped he 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 was he was the the guy like everybody what had to kind of stop and go, man, this guy is killing it. Yeah, not, um, not
1: to mention a white
0: Jamaican. <laughs> 100%. You know, um, well, Berm- Bermuda, But, Bermudan, but, but yeah, 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 I mean,
1: yeah. It, like, you can, Jamaica's had
0: such an influence on the Caribbean and even to Bermuda, which, you know, is kind of like a random island off to the side there, yeah. has such influence on it. You can kind of by default say that yeah. because patois is it's it's there, it's present, like totally. really whatever island you go to, you're going to feel the effects of it, not to mention reggae music birthed dancehall, birthed rap, like in every way, shape, and form was the creation of yeah. rap. Yeah, it's a catalyst and, for sure. And then you have a tune, Dembo, that comes out, and what does that do? It has a gallop, and reggaeton was born out of that, so... Jamaica, the little island, yeah. who, you know, Bob Marley, arguably the most influential human being yeah, yeah. of the second half of the 21st century, has had massive influences. Little island, like know. the size of Vermont. Yeah, isn't that such a trip? Has <laughs> influenced the entire world. You know, you, you like go to Japan.
1: Dance hall and reggae there is massive. What do you think it is about the Jamaican spirit that makes it so potent? You know... Obviously, that's a loaded question. Yeah, well, (laughs)
0: like, so if you go back hundreds of years, the Caribbean in general was obviously where all the ships were coming in and where all the trading was going on, Haiti being a major one, and then when the United States really started to develop, New Orleans was another big port. So things would come to the United States from New Orleans and go to Haiti and carry on. Jamaica, over the hundreds and hundreds of years, has been a stopping point for... Anywhere from pirates to the British to the Spanish to... So Jamaica is like the melting pot of all melting pots. Mm. And Patois, which is technically English, is more similar to like Cork, Ireland. And it's it's so intricate that if you talk to somebody who's like from the hills in Jamaica... You and you may like. <laughs> I, I mean, I've been hearing Batois since I was a kid, and I, I'll be like, "Huh? <laughs> what?" <laughs> yeah. Like, you know, artists like Idonia. Like, sometimes I listen to some of his tunes, and I'm like, I can only get like forty percent of the the words. But, I you know, I digress. Like, so, J- like Jamaica. If you've got all these cultures coming there over and over and over and over. Um, You've you're, you're creating this really unique place that yeah. mm-hmm. not really anywhere else can say that they've had that. Um,
1: Which perpetuates quite a bit of resilience too, because you know it's a like, thousand percent
0: and. You know, I, we don't need to spend much time on the dark side of it, but yeah. Jamaicans and the Caribbean, Caribbean people in general been have been fucked them. hard for a very long time. Very mistreated, killed slaves. The list mm-hmm. goes on and on and on. Yeah. Um, if you want to pick up any books and read about it, your jaw will drop to the floor mm-hmm. to realize what they've been through. Um, and out of that comes some very expressive human beings mm-hmm. who are very talented. You know, and you've got people out in the streets that are like, "Okay, I'm going to set up some speakers out here and I'm going to play, you know, some doo-wop in the 50s. Definitely never met a boring Jamaican. (laughs) No, no, no. Yeah. um, Just like visiting there, whether you visit there or you just meet them here in the States or wherever you're traveling. um, Like what a what a special type of person that is, you know, like so charismatic Um, so excited about so many things, like, Mm -hmm. get so pumped up about it, so many
1: different things. Yeah, Big Dog was talking about, uh, for Reagan Night, we, like, you know when the Jamaicans are in the place because it's just a whole different vibe. Yeah. And, and, you know, not
0: not as to say that, like, there aren't other places that have that culture because there certainly are, but in particular, like, they really set the bar for, uh, like, what a dance floor should look like, what a dance will look like, and it's very common to go to a dance, a true Jamaican dance, and 95% of the people there are actually fully dancing, yeah. which we know we have go to big shows and there's 600 people there and whatever type of music it is, there might be like six people dancing and everyone else is just kind of doing the, the sway or like, you know, just doing one of these sort of things. Um, and it's just, it, it is just a powerhouse of a sound, you know, it really is like of a culture that's Absolutely.
1: brilliant uh so wait let's pivot for a second here so you've been a chef as well for many years i know you were running um when you were over here you were running um, the windjammer, windjammer for think, for like yeah. eight years yep. yeah totally and so how'd you get into like that whole realm uh kind of funny man like
0: 17 needed a job got a job at waterworks in winooski as a dishwasher my hair was like super long at that time like you know wearing like like patch, patchwork pants and stuff like that. And I just would be over and dish scrubbing dishes to like one, one thirty in the morning. Yeah. Um, and that was just kind of the gig. Then the guys on the line and then the prep area, they're like, Hey, come, c- come cut some French fries. Hey, grab a knife. Like I'm going to show you how to like do a, a Brunoise dice or, you know, baton, whatever, whatever you wanted, you know, whatever it was that they were there doing. And I, I kind of got bit, you know, I was like, Oh shit, this is like This is cool. It's a little better than the dish pit. (laughs) Absolutely. A thousand times better. You're soaking wet. You're sweating like it's a bitch. Um, But not to downplay that, because I'll tell you what, when you go over there and it's just like you, it's kind of therapeutic. It's just you and these dishes, and you're just cleaning them off, and you can just like kind of daydream.
1: Yeah, and anyone who's worked in a kitchen, you know the dishwashers, the heart and the soul of it. They are.
0: I'll go to my grave defending them. I can't tell you how many times that line up, I remind servers, I say, listen. Make you need break. those yeah. people make or break this yeah. right here i want you to pre-bus scrape yeah. your plates like make sure those bus tubs look good going in there yes, and thank you yeah and <laughs> i'm gonna make sure that they get fed constantly you hungry Are you hungry Are you hungry what do you want you want a piece of prime rib yeah. here you go like whatever it is keep those people happy yeah. um so that that started my journey um and kind of progressively from there like i was i worked at um uh, Smoke Jacks, which oh, yeah. is, I don't even know what the spot is called now. It's uh, Honey
1: Road now. Honey
0: Road, right. Yeah. It's gone through a few different changes over yeah, the I was years. Yeah, Church
1: in Maine for a little bit. Yeah.
0: Yeah. Uh, so I was there. Um, then I was at, like, Church Street Tavern for, like, a couple months. That was a, you know, a trip working there. Yeah. And then I, I ended up landing uh, a line cook job at Lunix. So this was, like, I don't know, 1998, mm-hmm. something like that. And, you know, Lunix... But even back then, huge numbers. Yeah. The small kitchen, massive outside patio and they've only continued to expand and they've got the upstairs and stuff now. I was working for Dan Rogers over there. I worked my way up to Sous Chef there and then you know he kind of stepped back quite a bit and I kind of found myself almost running the place. I was kind of the interim executive chef, if you will. You know, he he helped me and supported me with a lot of things, but I was doing the grocery orders. I started doing all the features, aka specials. I don't like calling them specials, but it sounds like something you get in a diner. Um and then New York for a while. I was in New York for 9-11, so that kind of shut my cut my time in New York down pretty quick. But yeah, I've been doing this since I was 17 and I'm 40 going on 47 now. Um got nominated for chef of the year in texas in 2004 um i got my first executive chef job at 24 with no culinary degree like Mm -hmm. that was a pretty big deal to do that um you know i like i i interview well and i i'll give you the confidence that you can trust me and if there's something i don't know that i'm going to figure it out and that's exactly what i did at first was like you know, fake it till you make it sort of thing. Like, I don't know what to do with this, so I got to pick up a book or I got to call somebody. You know, it's obviously relatively early days of internet. I mean, yeah. we all had internet, but, like, search engines were a little bit different then and the availability of recipes were different. Um, yeah, you couldn't YouTube to learn how to fix your, little, fix your breaks yet. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so, uh, just just was grinding, you know, really doing everything I could. Um, and that's, like, that... That gig with the executive chef position at a, a restaurant in, like, South Austin, it's San Marcos, but I say South Austin because San Antonio and Austin have grown together so much now.
1: Okay.
0: It's almost like becoming one city. All right. Um, so San Marcos I is, gotta like, make here. got to it
1: down there. I've never been to Austin. It's a vibe, man. Yeah. It's a vibe.
0: And if you, like, I was down there, like, early 2000s, so it was, like, really when it was popping and a billion people hadn't moved there yet. Yeah. Um, and I met some great people down there, really great relationships and was executive chef of a restaurant down there. I was doing some good numbers for four and a half years. Yeah. Came back here. I was the sous chef and then the eventual chef at Kihiki Moon. Um, smiley yeah. old school homie he was the chef there shout out to smiley i
1: worked for him at uh edson hill manor and stuff yes yes <laughs> he's a old school reggae dance hall
0: head you yeah. know and, and a phenomenal chef you know he's done some really great things was there that place shut down um went on to opus which is now the pizzeria spot next to Trat. yeah
1: um, uh verita
0: verita right yeah. which uh and um, shout out to Veritas. Yeah, this has been
1: a number of things too. It was a uh, Plan B for
0: a while, right? And, yeah. So I was there. At, and It was called Opus. So it was like the waiting room, Opus, and then you know all the other incarnations that it was, including uh, Plan B, which you know we DJ'd at, we partied at, yeah, all we that brought
1: stuff. Digital Underground over yes. there. That was pretty sweet. Oh man, the, <laughs> the,
0: we did some crazy stuff at that spot. Yeah. Um, and uh, eventually. Applied to the Windjammer. I actually was actually at the point where I was like, ah, maybe I don't need to be back in Vermont. Had this last two couple situations. I was very excited, put a lot of energy into these last two projects. It was, it was like kind of you know frustrating. Where I was like, what what you know I I was doing so well in Texas. Maybe I need to go back. So I was kind of thinking about doing that, and then saw in the Free Press like Windjammer was looking for a chef. Um. And I hit him up. You know, I sent my resume over, went and interviewed. We talked. You know, I, I told them everything that I, I was doing. It was like maybe 29 at that point or something, 28. And um, they hired me. And I came in. It was kind of around when uh, Tom and and Laura were taking it over from Walt, her dad, who had had you know, it. You know, it's a freshman's been around since the 70s. Yeah, yeah. And they took it over and they wanted to breathe some fresh breath into it. And they wanted to evolve had been a staple for a very long time. But, you know, things run their course, and you have to reinvent yourself sometimes. Totally. So they really wanted to do that, and they took a chance on me
1: being able to lead that. Uh, and, that's a, and that's a serious restaurant. I worked there for a little bit as well, and, like, that place... It's, it might be the busiest restaurant in the state, right? It's definitely right up there. There, you know, they're I don't know now. I mean, I
0: still keep in touch with everybody over yeah. there, and they're still crushing it. There's definitely been several years where they were number one or we were number yeah, yeah. one. Um, you know, bringing in I think several million dollars a year, and we'd have some months where it was like you know million
1: dollar months.
0: Yeah, we you know we're running on. All cylinders. Yeah, yeah. yeah and to it's to it's, be a server it's, there it's is no joke
1: either. I remember I had to, you know, just to know their wine list. I just hadn't studied like that since yeah. I was in school. You know? you, like, yeah, you've know? you got to know your shit, and you're going to yeah. get tested on it. Yeah. Um,
0: we two lines in the kitchen, one that serviced the upper deck pub, and we, you, they would go around the back up the steps, and then mm-hmm. you had the front and the, you know, the salad bar, which is now gone. Yeah, um, I, I, I think believe they got rid of that. I think good riddance. Yeah, uh, it's 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 an environment that's just. W- welcoming people getting sick because you can't control a oh, lot of those absolutely. things. And you got to have 10 people out there packing ice on it constantly and yeah. restocking things. I guess it's fun to Prob- hit a salad probably bar. Probably a
1: safer bet to just do it all yeah. back <laughs> Exactly, <laughs> okay.
0: yeah. Um, it is what it is. Yeah. Um, you know, if you really want to build your own salad, I don't know. You, stay home. Yeah, stay you go to, go to the lighthouse or something like that. Um, I think they still have a salad bar up there. Yeah. Um, That's true. But, I, you know, i i no one no one is anyone without their team so worked on reinventing a lot of the things that they did over there um worked really closely with you know my right hand man lee who was like him and i were in charge of the whole kitchen uh warren stickney was you know the truth he yeah. was he was a sue he worked his way up from line into sue um
1: you had Lyric
0: running the front yeah, of the house. Lyric was, the, <laughs> Lyric was the, you know, one of the great servers there. Yeah. Uh, you had, you know, Dan Phelan was the general manager. We worked together. I mean, so many people have gone through the Wynn You know, it's, it, it's a big restaurant, so it, you, if you're looking for a, a good job, like a good waiter job, or you maybe want to learn some stuff as far as culinary is concerned, you go over there. And not as to say we were, like, doing any, like, Molecular gastronomy there that was, like, changing the, the world. Um, but it, it's great food. A lot of it's very approachable. And we worked on trying to raise the bar on a lot of things. Yes. And we did.
1: You know, it was great. So you have a new food venture going these days, right? What's up with the whole Future Foods and all that Yeah, I,
0: like, so when I went out to L.A., I said I'm not going to run restaurants in the same manner that I did. I want to focus on music a lot more. So what does that mean? That means that I'm going to do pop-up dinners i'm going to link with chefs that i know out there like maria Ojala, who's you know was in town here for many years she moved out to la and is now uh seth mcfarland's private chef for you know he does family guy and um american dad uh and amongst other shows but started doing some dinners with her uh started to get my name out there was working for various catering companies and i you know cooked for three different presidents cooked for obama twice Uh, several celebrities and started really cutting my teeth as we say in the culinary industry on doing in-home dinners more and learning that whole world so let's fast forward to now i live in miami beach and um you know i've I've since gone plant-based um and the clients that i now cook for i only do plant-based for Uh, You know, maybe there'll be an an occasional uh, hard cheese or an occasional fish that's locally caught, line caught, as sustainable as possible. Mm -hmm. Um, But, yeah, typically that's what I do. Uh, And, you know, as the years have gone on, I've gotten more and more interested in health and longevity and, you know, what we intake and what does that mean? Like, what, what does eating this particular item due to the body. Um, And I think probably inevitably, uh, you know, I'll work on trying to get some certificates and really continuing down that road. Um, But now like for me, what I think a really cool frontier is like you said, future foods and it's, it's a, it's a heated topic and I get into heated debates with people about it a lot. And coming from Vermont, when you, when you live here, whether you grew up or you live here, community, farm to table. Those are some things you're going to hear. You're going to drive around, you get outside of Burlington, you're going to drive around, you're going to see pastures you're going to see farms you're
1: yeah. going to see edge on the side of the road right you're
0: going <laughs> to go and buy a dozen of eggs and the chicken right there I mean, the laid those year, eggs yeah, yeah. and you're going to get milk and that milk went through like two people's hands yeah. you know you you can go and you can get raw milk but like, there's so many different things you can do when you're in a community in a state like you are in vermont totally. to get things that very few people's hands have
1: touched do you and feel as, like people have been receptive to that approach like in your travels, like, because obviously you're bringing this mentality of that, you know, local and, you know, is, I, it, is that was that kind of a hard thing for you to share with people? Because I know for me, like, when I would live in certain places and I'd have that mentality, people would just look at me like, oh, "You're fucking crazy!" Like, I get my milk from the grocery store, you know, it says hood on well, it or whatever, you know. I think that's what makes New England and Vermont in particular very special. Mm-hmm.
0: I've been to. 35 states I've lived in eight of them i I started traveling around and living in different places as young as 17 years old mm-hmm. um and every time I talk about here um yeah you, you know it we, to some people it's completely foreign because they have no concept of anything like that mm-hmm. and that's okay with me but you're gonna rub off on them like we rub off on people like Vermonters we just do New Englanders in general like wherever we go we rub off on people because there's there's just something about us um, that makes us all kind of special yeah. in our own
1: little way, I feel you know. Like, I feel like you feel that energy right now. Like we're here, we are Memorial Day weekend, and it's like just the energy out. You know, everyone just sat through six months of winter, absolutely frigid, and so now it's like, wow, ah, you know, they come out and now the girls are in their skirts, and dudes got their shirts off. Yeah, and it's, it's just it's, the energy. It's 51 degrees, and everyone's in
0: you know a tank top and t-shirts. And I got off the plane in my three-quarter length jacket. Yeah. Um, but yeah, you know, it, like, and you you touch on something when you're in an environment that has four distinct seasons, mm-hmm. and you go through some very hard winters. We all go through it together you are very celebratory when spring comes and you see it happen in real time. Like you watch the ecology change. You watch everything change. And then you see when fall comes and it cools down and the leaves change. And I don't know what that is. Right. But it's a feeling. (laughs) It's a feeling. And, you know, for as special as we are, we're you know there's plenty of sets of challenges that we deal with living in a place that only gets 66 days of sun a year so you know that's a mental health conversation and maybe we'll get to that during this conversation but so as far as the food's concerned you know i it's important for me that there's transparency with what i eat Mm -hmm. and i think if you ask anybody you want to know where your food comes from this is something you're ingesting Mm -hmm. right Like, you want to know what's going in. Like, I want to know the ingredients. I want to know the environments. And for me personally, part of my experience as a chef, coming from cooking and and selling tons of meats and tons of seafood and procuring some of the best products on the planet and having, you know, the best Wagyus and all of these things and the most phenomenal caviars and stuff, um, like... A lot of that process to do those now that the world has gotten to where it's at now are not only destructive for the environment that we live in. We're shitting in our own home. Mm -hmm. But what I'm used to seeing a farm, right? You have a relationship with the farm. I could get into a car right now with you guys and we could drive to a farm and we could go see the animals Mm -hmm. and we could see to some degree that chain of the product coming to it. And, you know. Death is death is death, right? Like, mm-hmm. if you're from you know an animal rights standpoint, these animals are getting killed ultimately. But if you look at what's going on in a factory farm, I don't know what's going on, right? We don't know. There's ag gag laws that don't allow any footage to be shown. Right. Like this is a, this is a go, this is the go, at the government level. Well, there's agriculture gag it? laws because it's called cognitive dissonance, right? Mm-hmm. Out of sight, out of mind. You can sit there and realize and imagine what goes on in, in a factory farm. But when you see what goes on in that, that cognitive dissonance breaks. Yeah. It snaps. It, the conversation's not there anymore. Yeah, because, want,
1: no one wants to see how the hot dogs are made. Sure, right? You don't.
0: No, I mean, that, and that's a, there's a reason why that has been a saying for years. You don't want to know how the sausage is made. So, like, for me, when I think of a farm, I think of a farm.
1: Yeah.
0: You know? And hopefully that animal gets dispatched in a relatively quick manner. And it's as primitive as we've, as we can get over the last 100,000, 200,000 years that we've been doing this as a species. And then you get into the factory farming, to me, it's a broken system and I just don't get it. And I think, and that's like I'm the only person to say that, but I just don't get it. And it has a lot to do with coming here, coming from here. Because when the conference, you can't, I can't tell you I procured the best, if I told you I buy the best factory farmed meat, you would go, okay, bro. Like, it, it doesn't, really, you know, and factory and farm should not even be in the same, that, yeah, no, it's,
1: it's a,
0: <laughs> it's like a, it's a, you know, it's a
1: double negative.
0: It's a double negative <laughs> yeah. And it's like, I, I'm, I'm missing the term for it. Like I kind of loosely coined a term. It's like, you know, industrial food, whatever. Cause it really is. It's just an, in, an industry, industrial food facility. Now there's also you know this is a very heated debate right people go back and forth about this you know and people fight they go well i love chicken and i want to eat chicken cool i love beef and i want to eat beef okay but you know is there a way for us to find something that's a little bit more sensible but you know I, i digress in regards to that so with future foods right like things that i look at i got really interested in um science, right? Like science will continue to save our species. Mm-hmm. The more we've innovated and technology is like a, a, a wooden stick to, to club an animal is technology in the same manner that a, a, a supercomputer is now. It's the same thing. It's all technology. Technology has brought us to where we are at. Mm-hmm. We would not be here as a species without technology. That's what separates us from animals. Um, and and I think
1: those will thumb as well. Well,
0: true, <laughs> uh, and the the technology is largely going to save us, mm-hmm. as it's always continued to do that. So when I say that, I mean, like, what do you do when there's no more fish in the ocean? We can be cognitively dis- dissonant and pretend that's never going to happen, but the numbers don't say that, right? Mm-hmm. And all this, the, all the people who aren't paid by those companies secretively, everyone else is going to say there's going to be a point where we don't have any. And I don't know about you, but I'd like for other generations to try a piece of fish in whatever way, shape, or form, or at least go swimming in the ocean and enjoy it. Mm -hmm. Whatever that means. So I've really gotten interested in plant-based alternatives, Companies that specialize in making foods that emulate the flavor and the texture and the nutritional benefits of traditional foods. And then also the future, future foods where you have uh, bioreactor situations where on a cellular level, you're able to go, all right, we can isolate, I don't know, a sirloin from a head of cattle because we know how the DNA code of that particular cut of meat is. And we know what makes it, you know, the the, the whole structure of this cut and now we can grow it in a bioreactor in a tank you know start it in a petri dishes if you will just to kind of keep in layman terms and grow a cut of meat and then you also can have a 3d printer that's taking these protein structures these amino acids and you could print a steak yeah so this
1: that's absolutely mind-blowing
0: and it's, it's tech that's been there for quite a few years. There's a couple companies in Israel that have really been pioneering a lot of that. Um, and I've tried, you know, I try everything I can get my hands on. Like if it's available and I can get it, I'll check it out. It's slow going because you, with that sort of a world, you know, the FDA is going to be like, well, you guys need to really sell us on this. Yep. And depending upon what country you're dealing with, it's going to be either
1: really hard. And then you got people and you got these other big companies. I'm sure are lobbying against that. Because of course, they're trying, yeah. They're I mean, for every you know, in it, for, for every oat milk ad you've
0: seen from Oatly or whatever, the you know the dairy council is going to come forth and say, milk builds muscles, and you shouldn't, you can't milk an oat. Of course, you're going to have these battles that go back and forth because these are people's livelihoods, and. I'm not interested and I wouldn't think I would hope that nobody's interested in taking people's livelihoods away. But as we've marched on as a society, those things, when things evolve, things dissolve. Mm. We move on. Like when the Internet came, everyone's like, oh, my God, like every, everything's going to we're well, no one's going to be able to do this. And what about these people who did this? And but yeah, we, we, we march on, yes. we pivot, yes. we find new jobs. You know, now we have A.I., um i'm you know probably 2018 or so a good friend of mine who actually I was throwing the freegold cheese parties with got me he's like you know check out this world of crypto
1: mm-hmm.
0: check out you know decentralized finance and what they're doing and you know, i bought some ethereum very early in and held on to it and that turned out to be a good choice mm-hmm. and i you know i, I Dabbled in that world, and because he works in it, I get a chance to see a lot of the things that are going in there,
1: you know, riding the NFT wave and on what all of that meant. And yeah, now do you feel like NFTs were kind of like a short lived thing, or I don't know, I, I feel like they kind of popped real quick, and now it's like people are pretty uncertain. Well, I, I, well, let's call it, well, let's
0: call it NFTs 1.0, right? Yeah, you know, just like web. Web 2 is evolving into Web 3 right now, and that's kind of what we're at. We're at 2.5. With with
1: AI and whatnot. Right.
0: 2.5 with blockchain technology and what we currently know as ISPs and internet. Like, that's the bridge. So we're at, like, Mm 2.5. There's a lot of tech that's building on Web 3, but a lot of it's still centralized. Um, No, I don't think that's it. Do I think that that was a bull run that's like Beanie Babies and a lot of it, like, a lot of, like... You know, you still have some grail projects. You know, you still have some really crazy projects that still haven't been devalued. Mm -hmm. But yeah, 95% of all of it just went to shit. Mm -hmm. But you have people like... Was it
1: oversaturation, you think, or what?
0: Well, I mean, let's, you know, let's rewind a second. I think one thing when you start talking about NFTs, it gets very card collecting, comic book, flash in the pan type shit. But a non-fungible token, at its core... I mean, it does a lot of things, but let's say it's 15 years ago and you, Travis Carter, a graphic artist, right? You make pictures. I don't know. You're like, you make shit like Beeble, yeah. whatever. And you make these crazy graffiti pictures and stuff like that and you put them online. How are you selling that?
1: Uh, you probably sell them to a company that's going to use your... How, you, how do you license it? How do
0: you protect your yeah. internet? Yeah, how do you protect your IP? That stuff. So you really can it's you that's always been a really difficult conversation in regards mm-hmm. to this is my intellectual property and how do I protect it sure you have like your Getty images and shit like that yeah. for photographs but it's really clunky
1: mm-hmm.
0: and it ultimately doesn't really work that well mm-hmm. a large part of the wave mm-hmm. of NFTs was the ability with these smart contracts for Travis cards artwork to be built on the mm-hmm. blockchain and it's unique ID. Mm-hmm. And nobody, sure, everyone that jokes around, like, oh, I can just screenshot it on my phone. Look, I have a fucking ape. Ha, sure, whatever. It's all good. You also take a picture of a $100 bill and save a $100 bill. Yeah. We don't have a $100 bill. Mm-hmm. So
1: it, I identify as rich. Yes, exactly.
0: <laughs> so you're, what you're doing is you're creating a marketplace that's allowing you, Travis, to go, anytime anybody resells my art, it's built into the contract that I get 5% or 10% royalties from them. Mm-hmm. When has that ever happened before?
1: Yeah, so it was definitely a necessary step. And so I think you make a good point. The uh, Just kind of the dichotomy between, like, sure, buying an ape, but go to the core of it, who designed these intellectual properties. And, yeah, just keeping track of that so that people just aren't getting their toes stepped on. Really. Right,
0: and, and, and the, you know, you're... It's very early in a lot of this technology, right? Mm-hmm. Like the, a lot of this blockchain stuff, and a lot of people are like, oh, crypto is going to go away. Well, maybe as we know it now. But if you lift up the hood and look at the people that are building on the Ethereum blockchain and what those projects are doing, there's so many brilliant people that are building some beautiful things. And the adoption rate is pretty rapid. Like Web 2.0, or what we consider the internet and money right now. Is changing yeah. right before our eyes. Whether you want to watch it or not, whether you want to admit it's it, it's almost like the, it's we're going digital.
1: Yeah, it's it's very similar to when the when the Fed came in and you know changed everything from a gold and silver standard. Yeah, seven. We
0: lay, uh, lay took the dollar off the gold standard seventy three or something like yeah. that, and it's changed ever since then. Yeah,
1: and, and now we're, how we're how changing again. Yeah.
0: And banks at first, like I me, mean, remember the talk when when people first started talking about crypto. All these banks and credit card companies and stuff were like. Poo-pooing it. Oh, Everybody gosh. was poo-pooing it. Every, like, even the best investors were poo-pooing it. All those guys' portfolios, they, I guarantee you, They're and you know, these, you can look at their portfolios. These motherfuckers got a ton of Bitcoin. Yeah. They got a ton of Ethereum, and the list goes on and on with altcoins and everything else. It's not going you away. can't beat them, join them. <laughs> can't beat them, join them. And, like, when the internet first came out, it's very different than when it first came out. Like, all this shit has to evolve. Totally. So stop shitting on something in its adolescence phase. Mm-hmm. It's it's going to grow, and you, you're going to shoot at it. And if you shoot at something 500 times and it doesn't die, it's probably not going anywhere, mm-hmm. you know? Like, it's not just a phase. What it turns into, I don't know, but we can pretty much guarantee ourselves that paper money is going away. Mm-hmm. Things are going to get more constricted, And, you know, we've we've always heard about, like, the Amero dollar, where it's North America, South America, Central America, unifying its dollar, the Amero, right? That's a conversation that's been going on since, like, the 60s '60s or 70s. But from a dystopian standpoint, what if this gets global and all of our money's controlled by centralized entities? That's scary. So with crypto, (laughs) like, cryptography, like that's the that's the struggle right like i it, uh, it's non custodial i don't have somebody holding and managing my money there's no there's not 75 entities that are connected to my money it's yeah. in my cold wallet or wherever it's at it's in storage and this is
1: mine and you can't take it from me well and also i think to that same point it's like you know the the dollar bill says right on it legal tender for debt public mm-hmm. and private you know so yeah with crypto, it's like Seemingly, and I'm not going to pretend to be any type of expert, but seemingly, this all, it's not being made at debt, right? Correct. So no. that, that right there is kind of like, seems like an out. It's, <laughs> you know. And you can kind of thank
0: the pandemic and to some degree for a lot of it. Like, I mean, look how, like, speak about the pandemic in general. Yes, a lot of bad came from all of this, but man, as a species, like we typically do, a lot of things got reinvented mm-hmm. during the pandemic. A lot of things were birthed out of it that are pushing us forward. Even the great resignation, where everybody quit their jobs. That's going to turn out to be a really progressive good thing. In the interim, it's going to be challenging, and it has been challenging for a lot of people, business owners trying to get staffing. But you're at a job you don't like, you're plugging away, you're paying your bills, and then all of a sudden you can't work anymore, right? You're at home, you're twiddling your thumbs, maybe. Let's just pretend you're sitting there, and you go... Fuck, I hate my job. This fucking job sucks. This yeah. is the, I didn't even go to school for this. Or I'm miserable. Why and am he, I not doing what I want to be doing? Right. And a lot of people said I'm going to juxtapose into something else. Mm-hmm. You know, and, Like, let's say restaurants were hit hard because mm-hmm. of entry-level jobs. Like, if you can pick up a knife and a spatula, most places will hire you, at least get you in the door. And depending on how well you do, you'll progress. Mm-hmm. So you get entry-level positions like restaurants, and they just said, fucking, I'm going to lay cable for Verizon because I can get paid $7 more an hour, and I get benefits and all these other things. So you get these people moving to tech and, you know, other industries and all that stuff Mm -hmm. and you have this huge void which is the great resignation of people who were like I wasn't happy or maybe I needed a change. Or maybe my significant other, now that we had this time to spend time at home, re- realized that we wanted to move somewhere else, or we had other passions.
1: Or maybe you know? I realized I don't actually want, like the significant other after spending every right. day with them. Yeah, <laughs> yeah you're, I mean, I'm, you know,
0: we could say I don't know what the numbers are, but yeah, that you know, probably a lot of divorces and breakups. Are, yeah, and I think I, like, think I think relationships were strengthened. Yeah, get or, the, or f- they get the fuck out, like, out of the house! I like I don't want. Here's your shit. Go. Yeah. Um, but. Right. And then now we've got AI coming in and chat GPT and, you know, mid journey and like what a trip, what do huh? graphic designers do. And, th- you know, all these industries, like was it 300,000 jobs or something like that? I think they kind of quoted were in jeopardy due to AI. And let's just say we're, we're talking about the United States. I think that's where those numbers are coming from, because I think it would be much significant if you would say worldwide. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So if it's 300,000. I mean, look, you saw what happened. You've got, like, some of the biggest people in the world writing a petition for everybody working in an AI to slow down a little bit. Like, are we ready for this? It's a really interesting time to be in, and I don't know how much you've fucked around with AI, but, man... Not a, ev- not a ton of scares the it, shit it, out of it me. It is. <laughs> I mean, it is, it is everything you would never thought it could be. Yeah. Like, I've thrown some stuff in a chat GBT and I'm, like, telling it what I want it to spit it back at me yeah. at, and you're like where have you been all my life yeah, right. there's some beautiful stuff within it and from a health standpoint like it's going to impact the health sector insane like ai is going to be so much better oh. at determining how
1: you're sick and why you're sick because okay. it has all the information i'm wondering what that's going to do for like you know college and things like that where you know kids got to write a, an essay and all of a sudden they go hey Tell me about the civil rights movement and how that reflects on... Well, I don't know if we talk about the civil rights movement anymore with
0: the way all this, you know, um, you you know, the the whitewashing, so to speak, that's been going on in in my state, you know, where I'm living now. I'm pretty ashamed at the stuff that's going on there. Um, Maybe AI will save all this literature that everybody else, not everybody, but those people... Are trying to pretend
1: that never happened. Yeah, you know? I mean, we definitely need some preservation and a couple, a yeah. couple, a uh, f- couple of flashbacks. We don't, we don't need to
0: sit there and marinate on it because you yeah. need to move forward, right? If yeah. you're in a relationship with somebody, let's pretend it's, well, I'll use this term loosely, white people and non-white people, and the dynamics that there has been with racism, we have to move together. We can to move forward together, right? So it does require us to forget some things. And I mean it's not even forget, it's to let things go. But we have to recognize that shit. Mm
1: -hmm.
0: Like just because I wasn't a part of a massacre of people of color doesn't mean that there's not something to talk about. You know, because let's be honest, you look what's gone on in the last few years in this country with the presidency and people who've come out of the woodworks and the there's a clash going on here, right? And yeah. it's probably always been there, but it took somebody of a particular stature and a particular a voice for sure. that's pulled yeah. these people out of the woods, so to speak. Mm-hmm. They've always been there. And that that tone has always been there. Yeah. And now now louder. we're really talking yeah, about it's it. Louder. you know. Yeah. Um and it's interesting time that we're in, right? Yeah. Um yeah and you like what is what does education look like when you have ai in the manner that it does now what does a college degree mean Mm
1: -hmm.
0: do college degrees become something different and let's flip it all the way back like when you and i were younger going to school and even like generations before home economics were things that were taught Mm -hmm. they're talked about things you know, they helped you be a little bit handy with woodworking and, and crafts shops and things like that. Mm-hmm. Like, what are people lacking these days? Like, people don't even know how to, like, do balance they, a checkbook. Do their taxes. And do their taxes. Mm-hmm. I mean, Christ, we're in a country, too, that makes you do your own taxes mm-hmm. and makes you pay for them. And then says you have to give us your numbers when they actually know the numbers you oh, already I, owe. Oh, I know. And so
1: other really countries gross. look at us
0: and they're like, "What the
1: fuck?" Yeah, it's fucking you know, absurd. like what
0: you're paying five hundred dollars you to do your taxes, like. Anyway, yeah, um, yeah. it's silly stuff, <laughs> yeah, it's,
1: but... It's Bumba Clock. It is. It is. It is. It is. It's fucking... It's yeah,
0: it's fuckery,
1: as I, they say. I've, I've just been dropping Bumba lately. I don't know. I got, you know, it, I got rid of the clock because it's like I didn't even got time for. It. It's just Bumba.
0: I mean, it, it, <laughs> it works in almost every fucking situation. <laughs> um, but here we are, mm. Right. What what does the next five ten years look like in our country? You know what is what does it mean to be an American? Mm. What do people look at America and what do they expect from
1: us? You know, like it's yeah, a, tra- traveling abroad and just like gauging people's perception, what happens in America is just so ridiculous. You know, like when I was in Colombia, they're like. They're like, oh, yeah, so, uh, at the time, Bush was president. And they're like, yeah, so all Americans are just like, love this George Bush guy, huh? And I'm like, what? That's what you think? Yeah. <laughs> I'm like, That's crazy. Yeah. I'm like, I can't stand that, dude. What are you talking
0: about? Where in Colombia were you? I was in Bogota the first time. I was in Bogota. Like, I opened up a restaurant down there in 2012.
1: Oh, uh, yeah, <laughs> in Yeah. Uh, yeah Bogota is a wicked city. Yeah, I got Beautiful quite a city. few friends down in uh, Bogota and Medellin. Yeah. You know? I mean, like, and some of the most beautiful
0: women on the absolute pl- on the planet. Yeah, I remember yeah, I stepped that. off the plane and I, I thought I was going to have a broken neck walking down the street just to get to fell, my hotel. Fell in
1: love before I left the airport. Yeah, exactly.
0: <laughs> um, but yeah, you know, like uh, it's it, we're in some we're always in interesting times. But man, all the stuff we've heard about in regards to technology and about AI and about machine learning we're experiencing it right now oh, yeah. like some very interesting things are going to start to unfold True. you know it now you have got microsoft integrating ai into everything that they do okay. you want you want to have ai and sheets and docs and word they're there now mm-hmm. and and just in the last month alone everybody who's anybody has gotten into this game and they now have these very intelligent programs. You know, ChatGPT is like, it's trained up to like September 2021, meaning anything that's happened after that, there's no training it built into the AI. And, you know, of course you've got the government concerned. Well, of course. Because this is a very, you know, very
1: we're, scary we're, situation. where right? We've all seen the fucking, we've seen Terminator. We're about to see behind the curtain. Yeah. You, <laughs> you, see,
0: you see all these, you know, these dystopian films and you're like, or read these books and you're like, is this going to happen tomorrow? Is iRobot about to pop. Yeah, and it's probably not going to happen tomorrow. Yeah. But we do. You look at, like, Boston Dynamics and, like, what they're doing with their robots, and New York now has those city robot cops that are patrolling. What happens when there's 30,000 of those roaming the streets of America, and then the AI that controls all of them, whatever central command is, puts in a prompt to say...
1: Go kill everyone.
0: <laughs> what do you do? It's a conversation you have to have, right? Mm-hmm. Um, no different than, uh, you know, like, I, f- I forget when it was, but there was a group of people that were put together to go, we're storing all of our nuclear Concrete, weapons yeah. and like depleted uranium so all these things, all these very toxic things that have a half-life of like 30,000 years, 100,000 years. Well, how do we tell the people, the humans of the future, what to avoid these? Mm-hmm. And this is a, like a a test that they actually had and i don't know, maybe it was in like the 60s or 70s where they gave a bunch of people the like come up with a symbol or a phrasing or a word that we could put on
1: a some safe word a crypt yeah
0: of these radioactive chemicals that if they open it up everyone's gonna die what would you say to people 20,000 years in the future it's got to be dumb Mm -hmm. you have to dumb it down right you got to simplify it you got to make it so... And universal. Because what's what's English going to be in 20,000 years? Yeah, like, really Spanish, nice. f- is Spanish... Are all languages going to be dead and we're only going to be speaking, like... Pat- patois. <laughs> <laughs> Who knows, right? We don't know. We can assume. But how many... Like, like what is it? The, something like 100 languages...
1: Yeah, every week. Every, every
0: week t- die. Yeah. Currently. Yeah. Like, think about that. Like, even just Australia alone... Like, there's lost languages there to the tune of, like, I don't know, 30 or 40 or 50 yeah, I th- different languages. I think
1: there's, I think there's now, I'm to say there was, like, 5,000 languages. 4,500, 5,000, yeah. something like that. Yeah. It's crazy. Yeah, and they're just shrinking. You know. And, and that's and a lot of that's just about, like, um, you know, the evolution of globalization as well. Because, you know, yeah. everyone's, everything from the trade to, you know, it's I mean, it's... It's a yeah, whole, it, religions it's a, it's had a big part in a, a lot of that yeah, too. Yeah. You know, You're,
0: you you pagans don't need to speak this pagan language. You're going to adopt this language, whether it was Spanish or English or whatever. And uh, you know, here's a cross. By the way, to these replace the, your the, deities. These are the rules for yeah. the game. Yeah, uh, if you, you don't if know you this guy, Jesus Christ, but guess what? Yeah, he's, he's now your savior. Yeah, he's the one. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Sorry, we killed. Sorry, we killed all your priests and burned all your books, but. I've got great news for you. Here's this, the white version of this guy named Jesus that you're going to now... to now. Jesus, guys.
1: He's a savior. <laughs> yes, yes. <laughs> no doubt. Well, shit, so... Uh, I'm I'm interested, too, to hear more about just, like, the... Uh, like, what you're trying to do with the whole music and, you know, kind of tie that all into what we're talking about now, like, in, you know, this technology and, you know, just... Because, obviously, it's, it's a whole different thing since stop record as you're listening to uh jamming 94.5 and exactly, trying to make right. your own mixtape. tape yeah right. re-
0: re- you know it's recording over and trying to scrub that little oh, shitty yeah.
1: edit that you had done i'd try to i'd try to find the, the two bars at the end of the biggie song to get that and then make the instrumental and yeah you know. <laughs> absolutely i think i
0: still have a couple tapes of mine that i did years ago where i was like just using the tape deck to record and, like, punch stuff in. Oh, yeah. um, Like a dual tape deck type of situation. (laughs) i got to dig those up. Um,
1: Well, That was the original mixtape.
0: It was. It was the original mixtape. You you know what? As far as music's concerned, there was uh, a couple years ago, I was looking at, in the NFT world, there's a lot of musicians that are putting music out as NFTs. So it's one of one. So let's pretend there's, you know, your name's... Dante and you made only a hundred versions of this song and it's on the blockchain and it's one of a hundred two of a hundred and so on and they have a smart contract for each one maybe the artwork is part of it and it's beautiful
1: artwork and it's that's a one of one you know there's so many different layers of it was Wu-Tang the first one to kind of to kind of implement that because I remember they did that album where it was like they only made one copy or something like
0: yeah, that. And, yeah, shout-outs to uh, uh, Gio and, and Jesse, my homies who uh, are in crypto and DeFi. They're the ones that got it from Shrekie and oh, okay. resold it for Ethereum for a big dollar amount. So big yeah. up to those guys. Those are homies from Burning Man. Mm. So I got a chance to meet those guys last year
1: on Playa. Yeah, so um, you were telling me a little bit about how you went to Burning Man last year and you were chefing out there? Yeah.
0: Yeah. Yeah, Yeah. um, uh, like, I guess I can probably smash it in and, like, I'll rewind a little bit. Like, as far as music's concerned and, you know, where it's going and what I feel like I'm going to do that, you know, maybe tech or AI or anything like that comes involved. Like, I have a project. The first single just came out on Friday um, called Hush Giants, and it's, like, more of a solo project. It's really just my journaling of my life, on music with my production and my writing, and really focusing on exactly what it is that I want to do to tell my story, and it's not involving another producer. Yeah.
1: How, how long in the works has this one been? I um, mean, obviously six, a lifetime, but a anyways, lifetime. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But like six years. Oh, okay. Um,
0: and I've I've used AI to help me come up with some of the graphics for it you know i'd come in and you know figure out the prompt that i want to do or give it an image first because there's a lot of options out there in the world of ai you can you know some that don't start with anything that you give it you just give it a prompt and it creates a graphic and maybe four options and then you go and you would edit like mid-journey like then you give it a prompt like make the roses more pointy on the whatever and then it does that and you just keep going and going and going um I've done everything from just giving prompts and then I get it back, you know, and then tweak it and tweak it and tweak it and then maybe put my own layer to it.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: So I've been using that as, you know, tons of other musicians who are doing stuff like that. Um, but my journey uh, with the with solo project kind of comes back into growing up in a very unhealthy environment, that I did, uh, which certainly a lot of people in the Northeast, with the compounding elements we have here, lack of sun, l- l- you know, high alcoholism, um, a lot of domestic violence, mm-hmm. a lot of drug use, um, you know, it's very rampant, um, and it's you know it can, it, can, it can be it can be unhealthy um, as unhealthy we allow it was allowed to be, and I grew up in a very destructive family, and I you know I made it out. I um, made it out. I'm <laughs> alive. I got. I got hell- out here. <laughs> we out here. Um, and it wasn't fucking easy. And it wasn't no. easy for anybody to help drag me out. RAP to my mom who passed <laughs> in 2014. What a strong woman to 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 help pull us out of that. And I, you know, I know firsthand she did because I look at a lot of the other people that are in my family. And you, I lost my dad in '99 from drugs and alcohol and malnutrition. Mm-hmm. My dad was 5'10. And when he passed, he was like 125 pounds. Mm-hmm. Very skinny guy. Mm-hmm. Um, my mom ultimately succumbed to cancer, but was a very heavy alcoholic, a heavy smoker. You know, and I looked at the autopsy report and stuff. And there's like many layers to everything that was going on with it. Um, and I know I kind of detoured here a little bit. That's but what I think we, it's that's important. Because like, <laughs> you know, I mentioned it to you earlier, um, mental health. And we are still in Mental Health Awareness Month. Is really, really key. Like, it's really, really easy to, to pretend it's not a big
1: deal. Uh, yeah, and I mean, look at how we call it Mental Health Awareness Month. It's like, why is it just, why are we not always trying to be aware of Not to health? mention,
0: most insurance companies. Do not, like, oh, I need to go see a psychiatrist? Well, that's not covered. You're going to have to do that out of the pocket. Um, Well, I'm having da-da-da-da-da. Well, you're not in the military. Well, then you can't do this, da-da-da-da-da. So, thankfully, that's starting to change. You know, we're still in Medicine
1: 2.0.
0: And we are moving towards Medicine 3.0. And there are some people out there that are pioneering that stuff. But we're not there yet. So, like, you know, my first advice to everybody, my first advice is... Get some sunshine. Get at least 15 minutes a day. I'm going out right after this. Yes. 15 <laughs> minutes. That's all you got to do. Mm-hmm. Get it and get it every day. One way, shape, or form. Try to get some sun. Take your socks off. Touch Take your fucking earth. socks off. Touch your water. It's very simple things. Mm-hmm. You don't need to like go and get the $600 prescription or run 60 miles. Get some sun. That is That alone, let's pretend you had 100 people and they were horribly depressed Maybe suicidal, maybe heavy anxiety, all those things. And you gave them a structure, schedule where they got 15 minutes of sun every day. I bet if you talked to them after two weeks, 80%, 80 of those 100 people would have seen a massive, massive change the in life. the quality of life. And what did you do? You only gave them something that's natural that we have in our lives every day. And sure, too much sun is bad for you you get skin cancer. Mm-hmm. But too much of anything... Makes you an addict. Yeah. Teasing, skis, and I'm so pleased. I was waiting for that one. Yeah. So, <laughs> like, just, just do it. Mm-hmm. Drink a little more water. Go for a walk. Like, don't tell me, and don't complain to yourself and come up with excuses why you can't get any exercise. You don't need a fucking gym. Mm-hmm. Sure, they're great, and they can... You know, you're like, oh, man, I'm paying $150 a month for that. I better go do it or all those other things that it forces you to do. But calisthenics, man, you can wake up in the morning and you can, go, you can lean on your sofa and do 40 push-ups in five sets and take it as easy as you want. But it's called compounding. Yep. Next thing you know, you pick your head up two months later and you're like, shit, I got triceps and I'm feeling a little bit better. So
1: simple. That's me in two months. Yeah,
0: <laughs> I, I, don't even, I don't even know where I heard it years ago. It might have even been the truth. Warren Stickney is like, kiss, keep it simple, comma, stupid, you know, like kiss, like, keep it simple. Like, you don't have to fucking wake up tomorrow and run 12 miles. You're not going to commit to that. You're not going to follow through. You're going to burn out. Sure. Go for a walk. I'll pay anybody that's listening to this, that watches this, I'll pay anybody $1,000 if you're in a situation right now where you feel like shit and you walk at least five times a week for 30 minutes I'll pay you a thousand dollars if you don't see a fifty percent increase in your well-being. Yeah. I re- I'll fucking do it. Call me. Yeah. I'll do it. I'll figure it out. I'll pay you in bottles, maybe. <laughs> yeah, yeah, you know, yeah, 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 uh, yeah. And I'll make it real funny. <laughs> but it, it, you know, it's there's very simple things that we can do. Having grown up here, we have some of the most dynamic, amazing people. Like I've never connected with human beings. Like I connect with New Englanders specifically Vermonters. You know, I lived in L.A. for a very long time, met some great people, had some great opportunities, had some great times. But n- you don't have a
1: conversation with people like you have yeah. with people from yeah. here. It's more few and far between, for sure. Like I always, tell people that the best thing about Vermont is it's easy to meet like-minded people. Yeah. Absolutely, it's a it 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 breeds that and attracts that at
0: the same time. Mm-hmm. You know, like there's you know there's dynamics here. You've got people who are you know very salt of the earth and they grow their own produce and you know wear Birkenstocks or whatever the hell that means and you know they're they don't send their kids to public school and then you also have the other side where people are coming here from other states to go to school because they heard it's a great place to go to school and I mean you look at like could you design a town any cooler it's like Lake Champlain, which is across from New York, you've got the Adirondack Mountains. Lake Champlain, which is one of the largest freshwater lakes in the country. Yep. It's a hill that goes down this beautiful lake and like at the top of it's oh, college. You know, like, <laughs> what do you talk like and you've got like So many bars per capita, so many clubs, so many talented musicians drive around the country. I challenge you to drive around the country and you find me something like this. I haven't experienced it yet. Maybe a little bit, but you you could almost like sure the pandemic has been very challenging for Vermont I see it but like you know when we were doing all of our events and we were really popping and we were were probably the third wave of that because like there was like Dennis Wigman's and Toast there were other areas eras before us that were really doing big things around Burlington Mm -hmm. but you show me a place that on a Friday night you could see 10 different DJs
1: 12 different DJs
0: (laughs) Nine live bands, get the food that you could, and experience that in a town of 38,000 people. And walk to all of it within five minutes. (laughs) No, you're not going to find it. Like, you would have to go to, like, Austin to get that sort of a dynamic, which, and I think, you know, my hypothesis, and this is something that kind of goes back to reggae a little bit, like, you've got Boston, New York, and Montreal. Yeah. What do you have in the middle? You have Burlington, Vermont. You have UVM, which, you know, has been considered borderline Ivy League and that whole journey of how that's gone about and Medical Center Hospital of Vermont and, you know, St. Michael's College. And you've got like a lot, you have a lot going on in and in 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 like just in Chittenden County alone.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Um, so Burlington over the years, my theory is, and maybe it's not my theory, maybe I'm just came up with it and somebody else already did but if you're a musician and you're traveling to Montreal or you're in Montreal and you're going to New York you're New York you're going to yeah. come through here yeah because why not you know you're going to you know you're going to fill the venue and now there's places like Higher Ground and bigger venues that can hold more people but even if it was a room that only held 150 people you're going to make some money and it's going to pay for a couple bills on your journey so you've got that over the years, compounding. And I think just the culture has continued to just stack. Mm-hmm. And like, I can't help but tell people. Yeah, It's actually kind of a joke back in Miami. Well, just with like my my friend circle in general from LA. And now some of them are in Miami where it's like, oh, that's my home state. Like, busting my balls because like, Vermonters any opp- are proud. <laughs> anytime I have an opportunity to talk about Vermont, I will. I don't care if it's like the fact that we have the best breweries worldwide. Cabot. We have, you know, you have Hill Farmstead. We have Cabot's. We have Jasper Hill. Blue. I, had a, have, I had an Edward last night. Like, we, we, we set the fucking bar for beer. We set the bar for cheeses. We set the bar for like maple syrup. And the, you know, Ben and Jerry started the whole movement. Like, there's a lot of things that we set the bar for. And it's very easy to laugh about it. It's very funny for someone to bust your balls. But I'm okay with it. I'm like, I don't care. You know, like, why? There's more cows in your state than people. Hey, yeah, great. I fuck with it. Yeah, (laughs) I'm down with that. It's all good. We also have like, some of the most talented people I've ever experienced in such a small environment. Like when we were running at full steam, like you've got like, Thirty phenomenal guitar players in this small circuit,
1: mm-hmm. like
0: like world class musicians. You have DJs that are as good, if not better, than what you're going to see in major cities. And I'll tell you firsthand, I've been there and I've seen yeah, them, yeah. and I'm always like, you wouldn't you wouldn't even
1: play a gig in. in I, my I hometown. catch that vibe like on uh, the third Thursday they do at Green Door, and we'll be having these ciphers, and I'm just looking around, and I'm like, oh, I've lived in Oakland, Miami, Baltimore, bars all over. This Cypher has as many dope MCs as anyone, anywhere I've ever been. Yeah. Straight up. Like, it's it's really
0: special. Mm-hmm. Like, and if you, even if you're, like, looking on Twitter or, or, or whatever on the internet, you can look, and, like, I haven't lived in town in a while, but I keep my ear to the ground, you know, like... Um, shout out to Juan Kiss with his Vermont Hip Hop yeah. like, you know I'll follow him Justin on Twitter and now his Instagram's ramping up and it seems like he's you know getting some more content out there but like there's so
1: much shit going on here yep Justin's actually back in the lab he's been making tracks I got a oh wicked dude, putting together a project uh, wasn't
0: one of his alter egos DJ multiple sex partners multiple right? sex partners like, yep and you got Humpasaurus oh, Jones Hopasaurus Jones yep but, oh uh, man what a, what a gene he's a, a G. and from, one of the smartest guys dude, I I yeah. I know. It's It's like I feel like his brain's
1: going to just explode out of his skull at any minute. Yeah, he reached out because uh, I told him I'm putting together this project, and he's just lacing me with a verse on the strength. Just, uh, yeah, we got a collab coming soon. Oh, shit! okay. I'm actually doing a song with Scope that's coming out here soon what? too that uh, Justin Gelinas made the beat for. Wow. And that okay. was a banger. Old we hit him school. up, and within 48 hours he had sent us this banger. So, I love it, yeah, I love it. I'm actually going to see Luke out in Vegas next week. B- big him up for me. Yeah, yeah, I think the last down. time I saw Luke was like, Maybe three or four years ago at Metronome. was the one who first introduced us, too. Yeah. Actually, yep, back in the Source Unknown days. Oh, Source Unknown. Jesus Christ. (laughs) Wow. Flashback. I I think
0: I was back then, I was going by like, I don't even know, it was pre Dante days, I think. I actually found some old flyers where it was A Dog. Smiley and me, and I was going by just some kid, <laughs> like all one word J U S U M K I D. And we were doing like the dock house, um, dock, dock house, right? The, the boathouse,
1: or whatever? no, the dock, dock side. Oh, do- uh, oh, yeah, yeah, the like the restaurant on the waterfront. Is yeah. that this is what I'm thinking? Yeah, about? it's it's not that anymore, but I know what you're talking about. Wait, my dock yeah, because they like all the old school heads used to throw parties down there, yeah. like back in like. You know,
0: Iceman and like stove t- stovepipe and those homies like back back, like retmatic those that's kind of like where those first underground shows were popping off. Yeah. Like all the Lawrence
1: family. Like, that's kind of where... Yeah, like, so we had... Uh, we had Benny... Or we had Maddie L on. Yes. And, uh, I haven't seen him have, in I'm so long. I'm trying to get Benny on, too, so that'll be cool. But yeah, it's been sweet to You have. should get
0: the whole Lawrence family on here at the same time and <laughs> yeah, just yeah, chop yeah. it up with them. Because, <laughs> like, collectively, they've all been a part of, like, so much history. Oh, uh, yeah, definitely. Everything like crazy.
1: Everything from skating to music to... Yeah. Massive. Yeah, Massive. To art, yep. Yeah. yeah, shout out, y'all motherfuckers.
0: Oh, speaking of skating, I just kind of, like, you know big myself up a little bit so to degree to some degree back before B-side existed when it was boarding house um over where Radio Bean is, yeah. like the first skate shop that was in town, my homie at the time we were in an eighth grade, my homie Warren, not Warren mm-hmm. Stickney, but Warren Darda, we bought the first two skateboards that boarding house sold. Oh, wow. And he still has his as yeah. a Tony Hawk, the, the bird skeleton yeah. one. He still has it. I, I got like a the mucus um and uh, man I was a horrible fucking skateboarder back then <laughs> yeah. the decks were such shit
1: and yeah they are huge it was just
0: this boat weighed about you know, a thousand was, pounds and a tail was like about this big no wonder I couldn't fucking ollie <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> you right. know I used to think, push around you know, push around as far as I could with my public enemy t-shirt on, blasting some, you know, fight the power. Yeah. And uh it's probably why I stopped skateboarding after a couple of years, because I couldn't ollie. Yeah.
1: I got, I barely I came, get over I came, a curb. I came, I came in a little bit after that, so thank you for, uh, you had for the, helping. You had, the no, you had the nose and the well, tail. No, well, no, I, you know, I started on the fatties, too, but that was, you know, that was more, you know, my Bart Simpson board. and Yes. Just Yes. Launch ramp days. Oh, the launch shit. ramps, man! You
0: know. How many times did I get hurt on those damn oh, things? Yeah.
1: You forget about physics.
0: Yeah. But, oh no! It's I just I shoot off of it and I just sail through the air. Well, when you're young, you can take that thrash. You just bounce off the ground. Yeah. Yeah. Like my first time snowboarding, I went with a bunch of people who were really good, and they're like, "You've never been before." I'm like, "Yeah, but I, you know, I've, I skated for years. Like I've got good balance, you know, especially standing that way. The big difference between skiing. Sure. It's like, what do you want to ski? should I ski or snowboard well do you feel comfortable with your legs both standing forward or sideways that's your call and I remember ripping down the mountain and they were all kind of standing off to the side with this launch and I'm like I'm gonna hit this launch ramp and I'm gonna just fucking grab my board and it's gonna be sick and I hit it and I just shot like this here's my board here's me flying through the air and I'm kind of looking at them and I hit the ground so hard it stood me up and I fell over and I'm knocked all the wind out of me and i'm gasping for breath they're losing their shit off to the side i was like okay i learned to walk maybe slow
1: it down yeah Yeah. learn to crawl before you walk yeah yeah Yeah, yeah, that was fun can't run until you learn how to stand exactly no doubt well shit dude this has been so awesome having you on and uh welcome back so proud of you and all your successes thanks man No, keep grinding. And once once I need that 15 minutes of sun and we don't have any, I'm going to have to come back down to Miami and catch you. Yeah, yeah. Because you know, I lived down there for like five years, too. I mean,
0: I got got an extra, I have a full spare room with a full bath, backyard, hot tub, five blocks from the ocean. Mm -hmm. I'm like Dickens in 76, so I'm on the island itself. Okay. North Beach. Yep. which is it's kind of weird it's like there's north Miami beach yeah in
1: the north and there's beach.
0: North Beach
1: yeah so I'm so like Miami's blowing up now too like, it's crazy like, so I live there fuck I want to say I live there in like oh five and my dad was down there 05. for a while Damn, yeah okay yeah I was okay. there for five winters and three full years and uh my dad still you know lives there and goes back and forth and he's just telling me how insane like downtown and just, yeah, just everything has just been building. Just it's, it's the fastest growing city in America. It's, it's crazy. You know, like
0: uh, it's fastly becoming the tech hub. Um, My main client that I do private chefing for, he's probably the most important person in regards to making Miami a tech hub. Um, Really brilliant man. Um, So, you know, not only that, you have it being like crypto city, decentralized. That's you've got a lot of that infrastructure there. And then during the pandemic, a lot of people flocked to Florida, yeah. So it's just like stacking on top of it because and they had
1: more lax, like uh, lockdown shit.
0: lax lockdown. And you know, that's probably 40 percent of why DeSantis has been able to puff his chest up a lot because. Yeah. It was like, you know, middle finger to mask, middle finger to, you know, isolation or all the mandates and things like that. Hey, it is what it is. Yeah. Um, I don't want to get somebody's grandmother dead. Yeah. Because I'm an asshole. But at the same time, I also want to be able to walk in public and yeah. maybe breathe. There's two yeah. different schools of thought. Of course. Like, I get it. I get it. Um, and life does have to go on to some degree. So depending on what side of the coin you want to look at, it is what it is. Wait. I mean, at one point we didn't know anything about this you know this situation and we had to put it all together as time went on and the cdc is going to make some wrong decisions because you don't know anything about something like that but anyway i digress but yeah miami's like it's it is crazy right like all these neighborhoods... Well, because you, like, you look at Miami, it's it, it it gets hit with a lot of storms, yeah. right? And they, maybe early 1900s, they got hit with a huge hurricane, and they kind of had to restart the whole city. Mm-hmm. So let's pretend for a moment Miami would be a lot more developed at this point had they not had to start over. Um, and ultimately, the island originally
1: was just mangroves, and they were trying to grow pineapples. It is a little concerning how... If... if uh decent-sized wave comes quite a bit of Miami's underwater. Hey, you're not wrong.
0: Right? <laughs> hey, well, hey, like, Hialeah might be oceanfront property, you yeah, know, yeah, and if you don't know yeah, where you know, Hialeah yeah. is, like, if you're in Miami and someone says they're in Hialeah, you're like, fuck, I'm not going there. Yeah. You know, it's a
1: drive inland. Catch you in 20 minutes.
0: Yeah, it's, yeah, I mean global warming it's going to affect everybody everywhere you are you know as far as the as far as the predictions are concerned and ai for instance helps us predict a lot of that stuff now yeah i mean we're we're losing coastline pretty quick so am i going to be in miami forever probably not but i'm there for now um and you know i I keep my ear to the ground if we need to evacuate and get the hell out of dodge radar
1: yeah i'll
0: get out and you know um vermont's certainly a haven Let's pretend for a moment we keep progressing the way that we are with climate change. Okay, you've got a... might be the safest place. You've got a giant freshwater lake, check. You've got mountains, check. It's pretty cool... Um, and it's going to get a little bit warmer in the winters now, so they won't be so harsh. Check, yeah. you, you know, like you've got plenty of room, and it's not don't, overpopulated. Don't, don't sell it too much. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> we well, keep the shit on the hush. The, well, if if you're not prepared for Vermont, if you're not prepared for New England, and you come up here, yeah, you're gonna be shook. Sure. You're gonna leave. Yeah. Like, and it's funny. Like, come up here during the summer, and you're like, wait a minute, it's 101 degrees, and it's like 92 percent humidity for seven days straight. I thought they just had cold winters. No, you get everything up here. Yeah. You get rain you for get,
1: you get intense too.
0: Yeah, you get you like you like mud? Okay, great. Enjoy the mud. Yeah, we got to yeah. that. You wanna you wanna shovel your car out every morning or better yet, get it towed because the fucking plow yeah. came through? Yeah. Like me when I lived on Church Street for five years. Oh, like how many that. times did I wake up in a panic? I'm like, ah oh, shit and I go down I and think my car's was that not drunk there. last
1: night. I thought I parked right yeah, here. Yeah, <laughs> fuck. Where's it? and
0: then you gotta go down and do the whole thing. Yeah, I had I I, I True story. I had them before I moved. I was like, can you give me a printout of every ticket I've gotten?
1: I'm not even kidding. It was three pages back in front. Yeah.
0: Like I was flipping I've through. lost two
1: cars to it to the point where they have my car, and yeah. my town, and then the value of the car. They, is they don't touch they they to you home. here.
0: They tow your uh, shit. yeah.
1: And they impound it. I'm like, no, I'm not going to give you $1,000 for my $700 car. Exactly. You just keep it. How many <laughs> cars get abandoned here where <laughs> you're <laughs> like, you know what? I just give up. Yeah. Yeah, just keep it, please. Well, on that tip, uh, I don't know if there's anyone you're trying to give some shout-outs to and, uh, you know, just anybody that you feel like needs to get mentioned. Uh, yeah, I mean, like, shout-outs to Maggie at
0: Sound Toys. You know, for anybody who doesn't know or does know, one of the best plug-in companies on the freaking planet is located right here in Burlington. Sound Toys, I love those guys. They're wicked. Um, that's the first person that comes to mind to me. Hopefully, I'm going to be able to see Maggie before I leave. Uh, you know, shout out Craig Mitchell, Fatty B. You know all the heads. Um, anybody, uh, you know all all the you know who you are. All the people that were an integral part of doing what we did in this town, throwing the parties and the events. Yeah. Um, you know, big up everybody in my upsetta crew and and that whole camp. I I was in Providence last night at one in the morning shooting a video started driving and drove as far as i could until i couldn't anymore and i slept in a rest stop woke up a few hours later and i drove
1: to come here here we go you know like um well, we're so yeah. happy to have you out here my man yeah man that's absolutely Bless up, up and uh, hopefully you'll come back again i'll, be back, up, I'll we'll be back soon i'll be back some links up in the description for all your projects that are coming forward for all y'all, if you aren't subscribed, we appreciate hitting that button. Hit up GoldenHourVT.com. Get yourself a Golden Hour t-shirt. We should have some new gear coming out sometime in the future. And, uh, yeah, just thanks to everyone who's supported. And this has been Golden Hour 31 with the one-of-a-kind guest, J.J. Dante Lucina, my man. Yeah, man. Respect. Thanks for having me. Yeah, bless up. Peace, everybody. We out.